This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World and the new book, Changeability, a work of nonfiction exploring how to navigate change with more effectiveness and ease. How do you find courage? How do you become more effective in navigating change? Find out when you join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal Season 2 where my guests are two amazingly creative artists, Jackie Welch Schlischer and Rebecca Mark. In season one of our show, I spoke with a number of fascinating change makers and change writers, not only about the incredible work they were doing in the world, but also about how they do it. How is it that they are so brave or so resourceful, so helpful or remain so hopeful in the face of disappointing setbacks? Their wise answers to me became part of a new book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, and inspired me to deeply contemplate the very nature of change and how to best meet change in this fast, ever-changing world. In the book, I identify seven principles for change, whether initiating change, inspiring change, or adapting to existing change. These principles are interdependent and are present in how we navigate the personal and public changes of our lives. So what I want to do now is go back and engage the very guests that inspired my thinking about change, to go back to them and deepen our discussions about these principles in Passing for Normal, the Changeability series. The principle Jackie Welch-Schlischer, Rebecca Mark, and I will be talking about today is Listen Deeply. Listen deeply is essential for gathering information and navigating change, especially if you are an artist. Everything in my environment offers me feedback, whether it comes through my senses, through information sources, through my friends, through visions, or even through my mistakes. When I listen to the feedback response my world is offering me without judgment, then I can best determine what my course of next action might be. For the writer, the painter, the composer, the performer, being able to access what is unseen in order to give it form and direction is absolutely essential, and my guests today are masters at this. So welcome, Jackie and Rebecca. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. I'm so excited for our conversation today. You know, one one of my favorite things to talk about is creative process, and I can't think of two more brilliant and articulate uh, creators to talk with. So um, before we get into it, I would just like to tell the listeners a bit about each of you, if I may. That'd be great. Okay, great. So Jackie Welch Schlischer is an actor, singer, writer, director, and life coach. Based in Nashville, Tennessee, she is known for her brilliant talent in improvisational play, and she brings that spontaneous and curious approach to all her work, and now she brings her sense of play to her work with ceramics. Rebecca Mark is an associate professor of English at Tulane University, a writer, a poet, and the co-developer of the liberating work called Words and Waves that brings fluid movement, gesture, and writing together to free the imagination and to free story. So I've known each of you uh, for a really long time. 
uh, Rebecca and I, we share this profound form of fluid movement practice called continuum. And now I'm, uh, I'm uh, one of your devotees in the amazing work of words and waves. Um, and Jackie, you and I have been a part of this merry band of creative cohorts in Nashville for so many years. And um, uh, I just, I'm so excited to bring the two of you together to talk about listen deeply and how the artist listens deeply and what you do with what you hear and uh, reflecting back to um, how that has to do with facilitating change. So can each of you introduce yourselves to each other by way of describing a little bit about the work that you do? Jack, you want to start? Sure, sure. I'll start. Um, I uh, am currently... um involved in making pottery and uh, pottery came to me in much the same way my acting career started which was basically on an impulse uh, in college I took an impulse to take a class many 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 years later three years ago in fact I took an impulse to take an art class and chose pottery from the list of options and I have found that um, both of those uh, are very adventurous. They are a world unto themselves. And as a person who's been creative all of her life, uh, it, it has allowed, both of those have allowed me to explore myself deeper by way of those forms of expression. Um, so I've been doing all of, you know, all of these creative tasks to, uh, to create my art, uh, drawing from many of the same principles in terms of a process and learning about myself in that process, um, how I have changed through those and how they change me. There's been a lot in between those uh, two commitments, the acting world and the pottery world, uh, from taking, you know, quote-unquote um, regular jobs to uh, my coaching um, and starting my own business. And it's been very fluid, uh, transitioning from one to the other and always getting deeper and deeper into knowing a little bit more about myself. And it is an ongoing journey. Um, there are times when I feel like I'm four years old and time when I times when I feel like I'm... 500 so it's it's a it's a, it's good a wild combination. ride it's a good combination actually yeah yeah, yeah. great so that's kind of that would that would be my nutshell of of where who i am right now great. today in this moment great rebecca well let's see where should i start first I have the good news that I'm a full professor now and not an associate professor. So That's fantastic. Can, that's, that's from actually finishing the book, which I think says a lot about my creative process in that um, everything that I've done, I think, comes from a the kind of um, way in which there's an irritant or a challenge or something very hard that I have to deal with. And I find a way 
to make that into creative process. So I had a very difficult um, kind of painful arthritis that I still have that led me to work with Emily Conrad Daloud, who is somebody who um, Sharon also works with. So we've shared that process for many years, continuum. And that and then I was a graduate student at, in English at Stanford University and really did not feel that that was me. I was really struggling with all of the institutional boundaries that that, uh, and, and, and kinds of constraints that that puts on creativity. And so I, when I was with Emily, we started, uh, this wonderful dialogue and kind of dance with each other about the importance of language and movement. And she was coming at it from the other side. I was needing the movement in order to really explore language. And she was needing the language in order to explore movement. And she was with many dancers who felt that they could not speak, that they had been, that their kind of somatic experience had been denied in um, in the world around them, and that they had no way to interpret somatic experience and bring it into the world. So the two of us started a kind of exploration that has had three names. One was Poetry Motion, the other was um, Writing the Waves, and now it is Words and Waves, and uh, since Emily died. And so we've had quite a journey over at 25 or more, I think it may be close to 30 now, year uh, exploration with uh, some people who've been working with us for the whole time. We have a small group now, and we have introductory groups. So we're, um, I have been exploring what it means exactly when you do deep uh, movement work, breath work, micro-movement and all of the fluid movement that continuum brings in, and then you intersperse your, what we, your writing with that, although what was the exciting thing was that writing became drawing, became uh, all kinds of codes and everything else. So what comes down on the paper, maps, uh, plays, uh, terrific improvisation. And I think it's interesting that we've both been in improvisation because my earliest training was in improvisational theater. So I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even think Sharon knew I know, that, I don't know I, that. Uh-uh. And I ran an improvisational theater for 11 years. So I think that's fascinating. Well, no wonder. No wonder. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about improvisation. And let's talk about it in relation to this idea of listening, right? So, so how does how does that work? How do you find an impulse and and act on it, move on it, carry it out, create something from it? Well, uh, uh, this is Jackie, and. Uh... I, I, I'll say for for me, you know, part of the concept of listening for me extends beyond um, the ears. Yes, of course. Uh, 
it, it, it can be stimulated from a feeling. It can be stimulated from uh, something I, I, I notice in, uh, if I'm on the improv stage, you know, what I see another actor do or hear them say or the way their body is, you know, is positioned on stage. I, I become a listening element. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I sort of receive from all of these uh, all of these impulses that are coming towards me, and I don't always know even what I'm going to say when I open my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I just allow something to come through. So um, I think the listening there is just is, is a receptivity uh, and being able to respond to what's received. I how, think how does that, that work? For for you, Rebecca. Well, I think that, you know, now we think of improv there, so it's become so institutionalized, and there's hundreds of improvisational groups, theater groups, and it's on television and everything else. But I think the original impulse behind improvisational theater was the notion that we don't have a script in life. There is no script. So when we meet somebody in the morning or we go out on the street and we're talking to people, it's all improv. And we, I agree completely with Jackie that I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen. But the magic of the unexpected and having to react to the under, unexpected, to me, mirrors much more of what we experience in life. And I think, um, and this comes out in your book, Sharon, I think a lot of people uh, don't move from the place of improv or real creative listening because they're so scared. Fear just traps us. But if we actually experience what's going on at any given moment in our life, there is a terrific improvisational nature to it. We fall back on um, how you doing, want to go to lunch, all that, because we're a little scared of what might come out of our mouth. But generally, we, we as humans are improvisational. We are, mm-hmm. we are deeply excited by the new we're deeply excited by something unexpected. So when I'm working with Words and Waves or I'm teaching, I am constantly reminding whoever I'm working with that we are open, our our whole bodies, as Jackie says, are open to whatever might come about. And I had an experience last year in my Southern literature class where I had a student who was nonverbal autistic, and he spoke through a computer. And so often his comments came out not exactly at the moment when we were talking, but a little bit, you know, maybe a few seconds or, or a minute later. And they were always just so exciting because they were unexpected. And we learned as a class to listen to what he was saying and then incorporate it 
in the discussion, and I've been fascinated by that, those sort of um, punctuations and punctures of the normal conversation. Right, Mm -hmm. so listening not only to the unexpected, but listening for the unexpected, and really everything is unexpected, right? Everything, yeah. Can I can I say something about that too? Because that that word is is just really resonating for me in in this conversation, and that is, you know, the things that are unexpected that come along help wake us up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, it it shakes us from our our routine, and yeah. so even if we're in that place of, um, you know, going along as planned. And then we, we, we encounter the unexpected. All of a sudden, we're in that sweet spot of, you know, what's, what's next, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, there's so much opportunity in that moment for what can grow out of it. You know, it's, it's so much possibility in that little, that little nugget of time until yeah, we then respond again. I'm thinking, you know, we planned out my wedding uh, so carefully, <laughs> and, there, and we were in a park outdoors at, at City Park, and they have this little train that runs through, and we had asked the wedding planner, well, how, you know, how often do you think that? She said, well, it rarely comes through during an hour. We had three trains. <laughs> one, one, <laughs> we, had, we had one police chase. We had... <laughs> that was on the road near us. We had a helicopter, a medical helicopter. We had a um, ambulance. I mean, it was hysterical. And and we had another wedding party that kind of got trapped around us. And then we had a wedding party that had hip-hop music near us. <laughs> but actually, every single thing worked to make it Almost just a a like like we think of the the, the marketplace or the um, what am I thinking festival? It was like a festival that mm. we could never have planned, never in a million years. And there's one picture of us getting married under the hookah with the little red train from right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so both of you, what kind of skills have you developed to meet what's next, to be able to, to be able to uh, work with the unexpected? I'll let Jackie start. Okay. Uh, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is, is just trust, Mm. you know, um, and I don't know if that's a skill or not, but it's, it's a practice, certainly, um, to, to really just kind of surrender to, to that, you know, and, and again, I'm thinking of this waking up moment, this kind of this thing that is calling to me and that I'm responding to. Um, it, it's, there's a real trust that, that's needed to allow something to come through. You know, when I'm, when I'm doing, uh, when I'm making a pot, um, you know, there's a real trust there that mm-hmm. something will, something's going to show up. 
And, you know, I may be working with more clay than I've worked with before or um, uh, a, a, a type of clay that's coarser than I'm used to or clay that's smoother than I'm used to. I mean, there are going to be different properties there, but there's a trust that in myself, there's a trust in the process, which we hear a lot. There's a, there's a trust that it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. And it, you know, at the bottom uh, of the list, or maybe the top, I should say, I'm going to learn something from whatever comes. Right. So, so yeah, so th- there's a trust there that this is all going to work for something, you know, something better, something else to, to take me to whatever the next step in the process is. Mm-hmm. And so... I think there's... Go ahead. I was saying, so not having the first response to the unexpected be fear, which it often is. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I don't know what this is. This isn't what I had planned. Right? Right. Right. An oh, no. <laughs> the oh, no. As opposed to an oh, yes. Yeah. Right. And the lockdown that comes with that fear of, you know, you actually limit the possibilities or the, or the, or opening up the vision of, well, what else could this be? Right. Asking that question, mm-hmm. what else, what, what else could this be than mm-hmm. what I had planned or expected? How can we make use of that red little train <laughs> that's going behind? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I teach women in stand-up comedy, and one of the reasons I've been drawn to... I, I think there's some of the modalities that Jackie and I are talking about are naturally, you know, uh, they naturally bring in the unexpected... Invite is the best word, the unexpected. They naturally demand a kind of intense listening and, and presence and and act and you know activating all cells you know that and so I have in the past taught a mask making workshop where the students came to class with no they could not come in a way that we would recognize them so identity was left at the door the mask had to be so intense that we could not tell who it was mm. who was there mm. I've taught uh, so mask making is one of those. Uh, those artistic participations that demands a kind of uh, uh, invitation of the unexpected, of the mystery. And ancient cultures knew that. And I think, you know, pottery is just so perfect, you know, (laughs) when you talk about improvisation and pottery, because half the time it's not at all what you planned, Mm. you know, when you... and, And I watch these, you know... And and fifty pots might not actually even happen for one to really happen. And 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 uh, women in stand up comedy has been that in our class where we are just really flying a high high wire act. And the students always say you're going to teach it next year, and I I'm always part of me going, oh my god, I don't know if I can do this, and yet. We always have 33 to 36 students who've never done stand-up comedy before who end up mm. doing a performance that's just 
phenomenal that you would pay for. And it's because we engage in exactly what Sharon's talking about and what Jackie's talking about, and that is really close listening. And we get to know each other very well. We go out and we have, we meet in groups of six, and we go out and we eat and we tell each other the stories of our families. And just telling each other the stories of our families, we start having these hysterical stories to share. And so I, I am more and more interested that if you go to certain places, if you do improvisational theater, if you do the kind of writing and moving that we're doing in words and ways, if you do mask making, if you do stand up with an open mind and heart and ears, that this space of creativity will unfold. And uh, I, I find that very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Um, and, you know, as artists, as creators, you know, there's that relationship between uh, exploration process and outcome, right? You know, we're often working towards some end, some, dis- you know, uh, having enough pieces to, having enough pottery pieces to fill a show writing a finished book, mm-hmm. writing a script, you know, that there is a, that there is a, a shaping of this process that ends up in what you end up calling the result, right? Or the presentation. Mm-hmm. So what's that relationship? Mm. It's the hardest thing there is. What do you think, Jackie? Uh, yeah, I, I would, <clears throat> I would say, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an open hand, you know, it's, it's an open hand. And so, um, and let me see if I can make, make that make sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, you can, you can, you can grip something. And, you know, force it to be what you want. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got that fist, that's the speaking force. Or you can have that open hand that's just allowing. That's just uh, giving room and giving space. Mm. You know, it, as you were describing, you know, framing the question, Sharon, I was thinking of, uh, you know, both in writing and, and really in all creative processes. But we hear it mostly in writing. You know, you got to draft. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get that draft out before you can start fussing with it. And we all find that we want to, we want to get it out perfect. But, you know, in pottery, it may be a hundred pots to that mm-hmm. finished pot that's, mm-hmm. that's saying, you know, to that, you know, how many drafts do you do before you get the book? How many drafts do you do? And so I think with the open hand, you know, you have that, <clears throat> you have that space to just let things flow through and let things come in. And so that's the, to me, that's kind of the, the image that, that comes to mind when I think about how I relate to this stuff is try to keep that hand open so that I know this is done. This is finished. This is, this is where it wants to be, you know, and, and take my hands off of it. <laughs> because I can tell you I have, 
I have worked pots till they couldn't stand anymore, you know, um, <laughs> because I didn't, I, did, I had to learn, I had to learn when it was over uh-huh. and move on. Mm. So I There's don't know if that, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, you know, again, so often we're so, uh, attached to the outcome or afraid of that the yeah. outcome won't be right or it won't be good enough, whatever that means, that we can't let our hands open because it, it, it yeah. um, we bring in so much control. You know, I know that, you know, yeah. as a writer, writing drafts and, you know, trying to move it, I don't know why, but as quickly as possible, there's always that time factor, like I have to get this done quickly. You know, I'm not going to take five years. You know, they take the time that they take, right? Whether it's a pod or whether it's a script or whether it's a painting or whatever, it takes the time that it takes. And yet for me, there's always seems to be this pressure of time to get it into a final form, which is rarely even final, right? I mean, I guess there's some point at which a pot is finished. There's some point at which a book is done. Or not, or not. Well, I think uh, I think the open hand image that Jackie brought in also means that you have to know when to let go, when to let the dove fly. So mm-hmm. there are, yes. I think when you're talking, I think what you do very well, actually, is the time constraint can often be the greatest gift because it's like an it's like an actor knows. The opening night will come, and you let it fly. And, and up until then, you are inviting, listening, working, reworking. But at some moment, that, that letting it fly is so important. And I see with young writers sometimes wanting to keep the writing to themselves. And I always say, but, you know, this is for people to read. This is for somebody to see. So that interaction when you let it fly is really so exciting. And, you know, in my classes, I always have the performance, the moment when it it is out there. And you don't, that's another part of just dancing in the dark because you don't know whether it's ready or not. Um, Certain things like words and waves, we've had... We've had struggles for, I don't know, 20 years trying to figure out how do you move from the workshopping process element of it into something that can be seen by the world. And um, I'm always uh, slightly embarrassed that I haven't solved that, what I see as a problem. But I think even hearing Jackie and the open hand, even thinking of it as a problem that needs to be solved may not be the right approach that that we are giving birth to a new kind of languaging and that languaging does have a life of its own and a meaning of its own and it is um, it is in need of many years of incubation so so I think I'm saying two completely opposite things at the same time but but that's but, the but that's the paradox. They're both true. They're both true, they're both true and that's yeah. the, the yeah. paradox of uh, of creation um, that produces art, right? 
<laughs> it's that it's that tension, it's that paradox, it's that question, it's that back and forth. And I think in words and ways the thing that's been most exciting is to watch somebody follow their own creative process over sometimes 20 years. And what starts to emerge is phenomenal. And to live with a group of artists who don't have, you know, that pressure of pressure product at every minute of the way is kind of thrilling. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> we brought <laughs> we brought ourselves to silence, <laughs> which I love. Silence. Silence is I, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We brought ourselves to a moment where we're of listening, of listening, and. It is actually a good point to stop and um, bring this part of our conversation to a close. And um, you're both such fascinating people, fascinating artists, and you, um, you work on your own and you work with other people. And I'd like you to let the listeners know how they can reach you, how they can find out more about you. So Jackie, why don't you start? Okay, well, I, I have a website for my pottery, and you can contact me through my website, and that is wildhairpottery.com, uh, and that's wild hair as in the hair on top of your head hair, W-I-L-D-H-A-I-R.com. Really came from the idea of, you know, when you get a wild hair to do something, you know, go with it. Yeah. So. Um, it's wildhairpottery.com and there's a contact page and people can reach me through that. Fantastic. And I am easily reachable at Rebecca at Tulane.edu. I'm a professor there. But also uh, at uh, Linda Christman's website has all the information for the words and waves. Um, uh, they're not really introductory workshops, but they're sort of the the workshops for people who haven't been doing it for a long time. So we've got a couple of workshops coming up that are all listed on that website, Linda, L-I-N-D-A, Chrisman, C-R-I-S-M-A-N, and she has a whole website, and she lists all the words and ways. We will eventually have our own website, but we're working toward that. Great. And I have a book out called Airsats America, Hidden Traces, Graphic Texts, and the Mending of Democracy out of University of Virginia Press. You can get it on Amazon. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this has been such a juicy conversation. I've loved uh, being with both of you and, and really feeling into the um, unexpectedness of your responses and... Uh, and I'm really, I've really been opened by this conversation, so I thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sharon, for all the work you've been doing and bringing all this into the uh, conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Indeed. Same here, Sharon. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Okay, to be continued. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about Changeability, the book, and about all of the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Whether creating something new or responding to a changing world, navigating change is the new stability.